Thursday, 2 p.m. Central. Sorry, Pacific. Screw that up again. It's March 14th. I'm Fred McMurray. This is Pillars of Franchising, where we teach you how to be self-employed and work at nothing all day. My host is Ray Pillar. How are you doing, Ray? I'm doing great. Did the time change screw you up? Yeah, I was. I've been really whacked out. I was. T- Tuesday was really bad, man. I was. I was hurting bad on Tuesday. So yeah, time. I'm still a bit. It's time change week. So I figure I got a week to catch up. Yeah, it always messes <laughs> me up. <laughs> I tell you. I, uh, and then I I changed from Central to Eastern time. So I'm trying to figure out. You know, on Sunday and Monday. What time is it, really? <laughs> Where Are you coming or going? I hear that one. I, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly do not get why, how we're still, I mean, people have been griping about time change for the last 40 years that I remember, and yet no one seems to be able to stop it. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how it all started. I thought originally didn't have something to do with farmers. I don't know. Um, Yeah, it was originally to give, like, farmers an extra hour of of daylight or something like that um, for to be out in the fields and when we were largely agrarian. And then I think it was – but I don't know. I mean – all I know is all of a sudden I go out in the evening and I was leaving at night and now I'm leaving in daylight and it kind of throws me there. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. So how's the weather there? Where are you? The, you're in the mobile studio, the Pillars of Franchise and Mobile Broadcast Studio One. Where are you? I am in Perry, Georgia at the uh, FMCA, Family Motor Coach Association Rally here with thousands of other crazy people who buy RVs and and attendees rallies and uh, have a lot of fun meeting people and getting around and talking and, and buying all kinds of products and looking at the RVs that are coming up, uh, you know, the 2020s that are coming up uh, soon. Um, it's, it's just a lot of fun. So how many of these, the RV owners are franchisees? I don't know, but I know in uh, the group I'm with, uh, there are a lot of business owners, uh, probably quite a few uh, franchise owners as well. Uh, But, you know, (laughs) I I, I just want to basically, you know, find common ground with a lot of people out here. And uh, I didn't think about really interviewing anybody today. If that's what you're getting at, well, this is the pillars of franchising, isn't it? <laughs> it it uh, it is, you know. And I'm still trying to find a way to put that across the side of my bus so that I can get a tax write off. But uh, all right, not so able to do that. <laughs> yeah, all we need um, is have one of our past guests, um, uh, Mike Sobel. Uh, he can do the vehicle wrap for you. I'm sure he'd give a uh, give give you a deal on it. I mean, you know, we had him on the show. So, Mike, if you're listening, call Ray. He needs uh, his vehicle wrap changed. So, <laughs> yeah, well, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is, it's a 45 foot coach, and that's a lot of vehicle wrap. <laughs> yeah, but he was 
from what I remember, he said he was um, wrapping military buses. So, you know, if he can wrap a military oh. bus, yours, yours should be simple. Yeah. That's Mike, true. get a hold of Ray. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, right. I think we have someone who's waiting to tell us about uh, some new information. Uh, yeah. Gentleman by the name uh, of Abel. Abel, you there? I'm here, guys. How you doing? Uh, we're Good. doing well. Where are you, Abel? I am in Miami, Florida, where it is sunny and 77 degrees. Nice. How humid? A little bit. Not okay. <laughs> so, Abel, you're the director of the Great American Franchise Expo, or did I mangle the title? No, you got it uh, just right. It's um, the Great American Franchise Expo. We are a uh, regional trade show platform. Uh, we produce uh, franchise expos across the country, and um, you know our primary goal is to connect uh, hundreds of franchise businesses with potential owners. Um, you know our exhibitors are you know, these locally and nationally known companies. Uh, they have hundreds, sometimes thousands of locations, and they exhibit with us in these different cities when they have territory that they want to sell. And, uh, and our attendees are, are local uh, business people, entrepreneurs who uh, are looking um, to start a business. Uh, some of them are transitioning from a corporate job, and others are looking to generate investment income. In the, you know, sort of another class in addition to their stocks and real estate and mutual funds and so on. Um, some of them have existing businesses and they want to add something onto it. And, and some of them, uh, especially a lot of, uh, you know, veterans and first responders are just too young to go into full-time retirement, although they have retired from, from their first careers and that they're looking to do uh, something after that. And very importantly, the Great American Franchise Expo is a sponsor of the Pillars of Franchising. Yay. That's right. We're very happy. And no, you didn't say the magic word, but you are, the fran- <laughs> you are our sponsor, so we'll give you some applause there. So you just had a big show okay. in Dallas, did you not? Well, that's right. We were in uh, Dallas this past weekend. Uh, in fact, uh, we got that hour bump uh, extra daylight on Sunday, uh, which was the second and last day of our show. Well, we were at the Irving Convention Center, had a really, really great show. Over 80 brands uh, were represented there, and uh, we had a massive turnout. Um, the exhibitors were happy, the attendees were happy, uh, and it was it was a great show. It was our second one of the year. Houston was our first one back in February. Um, coming up, we will be in Charlotte. Uh, in about a month from now at the Charlotte Convention Center on April 13th and 14th. Um, following that, we will be at the Cobb Galleria uh, May 18th and 19th. So that's in Atlanta, hometown of a certain Mike Ciccarelli. Ah, <laughs> one of our soon-to-be-on-the-air <laughs> guests. That's right. That's right. So you get lots of franchisors on. So people can meet, people who want to buy franchisees can talk to them. So we'll have to make sure we get all your franchisors on the show, right, right? Ray, did we lose you? I'm sorry. 
Actually, yeah. We need to get all of their franchisors. Oh, okay, there we go. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so, Abel, Absolutely. Uh, Fred, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go for it. Uh, I was going to say, uh, yeah, we'd love to, to have some of our uh, exhibitors um, on your show, and uh, um, we have a you know, standing offer for you to uh, broadcast live from one of our shows as well. We're in all these major markets, and uh, we think that you know, hopefully your, your listeners would get something out of uh, you know, the information that you can get from those, uh, from those shows, uh, one of which is a seminar series that we have that runs – through both days. So a lot of our attendees come to learn about franchising, but also all of the associated information like franchise law or finance or accounting, taxes, commercial real estate, and marketing. So they don't just come to poke around and talk to a few companies. They also come to understand. <laughs> Sorry, you said the magic, the magic M word. You said the magic what M was word. That? Which you said it. it. I'm not going to tell you. you just said the magic <laughs> Marketing. Marketing? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess it is marketing. I guess I think I got it. So I just keep saying it over and over again and hear your applause for the rest of the day. <laughs> if you keep doing that, then we're going to run out of time and no one will get on. And as much as I like the applause one, yeah. Quit saying the stupid magic word. All right. Um, okay, I don't know how much time I have left. I just want to make sure that uh, all your listeners know that uh, you can get all the information you need about our expos at our, uh, on our website, which is www.franexpousa.com, F-R-A-N-E-X-P-O-U-S-A.com. And, Ray, did you hear that? They want us to do live broadcasts there, so we're going we're gonna to have to figure out when we're going to go. I did. I did, and I, I'm, th I'm thinking, what kind of equipment do we need to do that in a noisy environment? <laughs> well, we'll need a, a closed, a much more closed room, but yeah, we can we can figure that out. We can work it out. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I've always All right. got my mind going about things like that. It's dumb. All right. All right. Uh, so well, Abel, thank you, thank you, Abel. Thank you, Abel. Thank you, guys. You'll be Appreciate us it. You'll be giving us weekly updates on the shows, and we'll be getting your stuff, your info onto the PillarsOfFranchising.com website so everyone can go. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thank you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Fred. All right. Who are we going to have on next, Ray? Our next guest is Adam Wash. And Adam is a partner at Wash and Rains, and he is an attorney, and he is specializing in. Go ahead, Adam, take it from there. Sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I hail from the uh, great city of Boca Raton, Florida, about uh, an hour, depending on traffic, from Able to the north, uh, and uh, currently it is a little bit must be a little bit cloudier here than it is down south, but uh, it's still a, a nice day in South Florida. Um, but, uh, yeah, my practice is generally a franchise practice. It is uh, multifaceted in the sense that we represent uh, about three dozen franchisors, uh, which keep us busy, of course, um, in uh, transactional and litigation work. Uh, but I also uh, 
have the privilege of representing uh, a lot of franchisees in litigation as well. Uh, unfortunately, uh, down here, there's quite a bit of, uh, of back and forth with uh, franchisors and franchisees and a lot of heads button and keeps us, uh, unfortunately, a little too busy uh, on, on that front. But Great. You had your wow. first question or you want me to jump in there? Well, uh, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind when I think of franchises and, and attorneys is what should a franchisee, you know, what should he look at before signing on the dotted line? Sure. Adam. So we represent a lot of prospective franchisees. A lot of them are attending shows and, um, you know, looking at a whole bunch of different uh, types of businesses. Uh, sure, Abel uh, has seen uh, and, and has had a bunch of them at, at his show in, in all sorts of industries. Um, and uh, we represent a lot of uh, franchisors in, in a lot of industries. So from that experience, uh, we counsel franchisees on things to look for uh, when they are, uh, you know, before they sign the, uh, the franchise agreement and stroke a check for a lot of money. Um, you know, the key thing is, uh, you know, do your due diligence and then do more. Uh, because a lot of the brands out there are really, um, uh, some of them are, are not as well known as others. And, you know, there are the Orange Theories and the, you know, McDonald's and, of course, the big guys of the world. But where there's a handful of those, there's thousands of smaller brands that people are looking at with, um, you know, folks that are, are selling concepts with possibly not much behind it. Um, with regard to support and, you know, notoriety. So uh, when we're faced with a, uh, a franchisee in that, in that sense that comes to us saying they're interested in some brand that we've never heard of, um, you know, we counsel them to speak to every single franchisee. You know, ask as, ask as many questions as you can about the support you're, they're getting, about the communication issues, and also about the, the marketing uh, that is being done in uh, in the uh, particular area, uh, because a lot of franchisees that are getting into smaller brands in certain territories are really going to be pioneers and and you know guinea pigs because they they really the, the market isn't uh, doesn't know of the brand so it'd be just as if they were setting up a mom and pop shop and we want to make sure they're getting the benefit of paying uh, the royalty fees and the initial franchise fees uh, before they sign up. He said the M word. I'm only going to say it once, guys. So. <laughs> yes, I've got, a lot, of, I've got a lot of different words for that word, so I'll, I'll, I'll switch it up. <laughs> Good. Otherwise, well, we're good. But he said the M word. Got it. So, give him I, applause. I, I think you hit some of the obvious things, uh, especially uh, talking to other uh, franchisees. Uh, that's that's going to be very helpful. Are there any other things that uh, rules of thumb that you know kind of stick out that uh, you want to tell our audience about? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't necessarily like to uh, you know tell people go hire a lawyer, okay? But you know, the FDD is 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 a big document. It's a lot of information in it. Um, a lot of folks are 
you know, we call it kind of penny wise, pound foolish, because they're going to be investing hundreds of thousands of dollars into a system, into a company and brand and investing to open up a business, and, and that will be their livelihood. Um, it definitely helps to have someone, um, you know, that knows what they're looking at, that can kind of help guide you through the process uh, to, you know, give you a, a good high level and detailed level view of the of the of the offering. Uh, before you sign, and you know, a good franchise lawyer in in whoever's listening, you know, their area um, that that knows what they're looking at, that is experienced, uh, really can be a value add uh, before uh, you know a a franchisee really risks quite a bit of money uh, on on and signs a franchise agreement, generally obligating them to you know five or ten years or more. Um, of uh, you know being in in bed with with the franchisor. Okay, so I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in. You you mentioned the FDD, which um, I like to call the greatest cure to insomnia known to mankind. Um, but what what are the top three? parts of the FDD, and, and I know I've been told uh, lawyers tend to like to tell me, you need to, and accountants, you need to read all of it. And I'm not saying you don't read all of it, but what would be the first three sections you would tell a, a potential franchisee to read? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's all important, right? But there, there are certain sections that, that I particularly pay the most attention to. Uh, the first being item 20, which is the charts of, to see kind of how many have opened, how many have closed over the, the prior three years. Um, and, and that's really something that, that gives me an idea of whether the franchise is trending upwards or, or, uh, or not. Um, and, and, you know, if you, if you see a lot of closings, um, then, you know, there, there's something maybe possibly wrong. Uh, and then that kind of leads you into item three, litigation, um, that have successfully been able to avoid a lot of litigation on the franchisor side. But, you know, you look at, at in big brands like Subway or, um, you know, some of the other brands, you know, you're, you're talking about pages and pages of litigation um, and, and descriptions of what's been happening. And what I like to try to avoid or try to counsel my clients on is, you know, if a small franchisor with, you know, 10 to 25 units has – substantial litigation, um, it may not be the right fit generally because, you know, either the franchisor is litigation happy or that's the kind of their go-to when, um, uh, you know, when a dispute arises rather than working with the franchisee and treating the franchisee like family, like I like to counsel my clients. Um, sometimes they say, hey, call my lawyer and next thing you know, You've got an item three disclosure. Um, the other is, you know, the item seven initial investment. Obviously, with um, startup brands, you're looking at a pretty big range. Um, and and I like to have my clients kind of ask the right questions to the franchisor of, you know, can they narrow the range, you know, 250000 to 800000 in a range on an item seven disclosure doesn't really help you because – 250,000 is a lot less than 800. I mean, it's just obvious. Um, so, you know, if, if there's such a big range, it indicates to me that maybe the franchisor doesn't have a real good pulse of what the costs are going to be for, an, for a franchisee 
uh, on the initial investment. Uh, but those are the three main ones. Uh, but yes, uh, we go through all of it and make sure that our clients understand, uh, you know, the, the 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 big ticket items and also red flags and potential negotiating points when we're reviewing an FTD. Okay, so I really like so that because. Go ahead, Ray. Uh, I was just going to uh, emphasize that a little bit because uh, I, I think that's one of the things, I, like, like in my case, I, I probably ordered, I don't know, 10 or 15 FTDs when I was looking for a franchise. And obviously you can't send all of those to an attorney uh, or, you know, you wouldn't have any money to invest. But uh, one of the things that I did check is, is the amount of litigation that is on uh, and uh Certainly not by coincidence, uh, I picked uh, the franchise I'm involved in now, and that's the Molly Maid, because they had literally had, at that time, uh, a little over 15 years ago, no litigation. And uh, as a matter of fact, to the point where I called them up and I said, hey, you left something out. <laughs> and they said, no, we didn't. We don't have any. So uh, I, I think what I'd like to, uh, besides emphasizing that one point, is ask uh uh, Adam, are there any other things? Uh, because obviously you can't send every every one of these documents to an attorney uh, that they can use as a rule of thumb to kind of weed out uh, uh, some of the other things. I mean, uh, you know, the, the one item that I hadn't, haven't really discussed is item 19, and that's the financial performance representations. And, you know, a lot of different franchise companies do different disclosures in that item. Um, and that is, of course, you, you know, as a, as a franchisee prospect, your first question is how much can I make, right? And if a franchisor is able to point to an item 19 and say, here's the data, um, you know, from these units, which are going to be substantial, hopefully substantially similar to the one that you're going to open, um, and, and be able to show top line revenues and, and, and gross, you know, average unit volume, um, those kind of statistics, it helps. But a key here is, you know, sometimes franchisors will use the financial performance representations and, and won't tell the whole story. So, you know, we're able mm -hmm. to kind of look at the actual data that is being provided and give our clients kind of a, a, a real, you know, uh, flavor of, this might not be the whole story. So you should call franchisees in the four corners of the country, but especially the general area where you're going to be, and really try to get some answers uh, about their performance and whether they're meeting the numbers that are shown in the FDD, because actual data from folks in your territory or you know, surrounding territory is really going to be more accurate than an FPR. I think that's very true. Uh, numbers can be easily slanted one way or another, depending on how you want them to look. And uh, it's easy to do that uh, on, a, on any document, let alone an FTD. So uh, definitely calling other owners of that same franchise, uh, especially locally uh, or, or in a similar size, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're purchasing new, uh, new owners and owners who've been in business for a while, you know, how long did it take them to get to a certain point? Uh, all that information is critical. 
The last thing on that point is I also like to look at the business experience. Um, it's just item two. It's something that uh, I like to see that a franchise company has, you know, folks that are experienced either in franchising or in building businesses um, and not necessarily just like a mom and pop operator that decided to franchise because as we all know, it's not always easy for a mom and pop operator when they start to franchise to take off the operator hat and put on the franchisor hat. And so I like to see, you know, CEOs of, of industries or certainly franchise industries in the item too, um, and, and kind of a team of people that are going to be available to the franchisee to provide them with support. Uh, but uh, that's the last topic that I'm going to bore you with on uh, mm. on uh, on an FDD review. Well, that's why we call it the greatest. That's why we call it the greatest cure for insomnia mankind's ever known. Um, yep. But yet, I, I like it because um, the, you know the business experience number five, which you just hit, uh, was actually echoed last week. I think by. Greg Sassman and Phyllis Superior um, on both of them, I think, said that you want to make sure that the franchisor has franchisee experience. Um, I, I like this, this because this is a, a – if I go and I'm looking at it, I, I really like the um, item 20 as number one, the how many open close over the past years. That's – that's you laid out a really nice filter in it's all going to make it into a blog post yeah. that's coming on this. So that rocks. We learned something about FDD yeah. today. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure if, if I should say uh, I'm sorry or <laughs> – but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. You may have helped people with their insomnia. Um. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know what? Uh, well, maybe not. Because we did have Abel in there, just, uh, but I, I totally agree with you, my friend. You got it dead on, and I have it all queued up. I uh, just want to thank the Link Local Network uh, for broadcasting our show. They are in the middle or finishing up their new rebrand, and uh, you'll be able to find us on the www.linklocalnetwork.com website. Uh, if not now, very soon. Uh, Remind our listeners that they can chat on the PillarsOfFranchising.com website. Uh, go open up a chat. I can see you hanging out there. So we're happy to ask your questions. And last but not least, you can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. People actually told me I have a velvet voice at the um, IFA show, Ray, and I said I got a face for radio. Oh. So. Now a word from our first sponsor. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 
or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvinewithay.com. And we're back. And um, interesting note, maybe not that interesting, but Michelle was the first guest of Colors of Franchising um, way back in February 2nd of last year. So, um, And hopefully tomorrow we pick up a new sponsor, Ray, but more on that later. So we are back. So, um, Adam, you've been in, you were involved recently in a really kind of hairy loss lawsuit, were you not? Yeah, um, that's one way to describe it. Uh, I uh, was in trial, uh, and it's actually ongoing, uh, but uh, I can give you some of the some of the details. Um, it, it, it involved a, a startup franchise concept and uh, franchisees who uh, trusted them, right, uh, to uh, do the right thing, to provide support, to, uh, you know, develop the concept, to innovate, to market. Uh, and it didn't go as planned, so uh, basically all of the franchisees in the system teamed up and uh, hired me to bring a, an action against the franchisor. And uh, two years later, and a you know, unfortunately, a lot of money on both sides. We ended up in uh, in, in trial, and uh, because the uh, uh, my clients, the franchisees, uh, were um, uh, Vietnamese speaking, uh, the franchisor was Vietnamese speaking. It involved the Vietnamese translator, and if you've ever been to a trial, uh, you might find yourself snoozing. But if you have been to a trial with a translator, uh, you're snoozing for double the time because it takes <laughs> it takes double the time. So uh, you know we're going to be going on day 12 and 13 uh, coming up next, later this month, and uh, you know really is a testament to the ability of of, of uh, you know sides to kind of work out cases early on uh, because once you start to go down the path, it's kind of like a you know the the the, the cartoon of a something small rolling down a hill and all of a sudden it picks up a lot of stuff and becomes a huge, you know, huge avalanche, so to speak. Uh, because once a, once a case really starts going um, and, and folks start spending money on both sides for attorney's fees and costs, it, it makes it that much more hard to, to you know, to, to settle. So, um, you know, a good, a good franchise system um, should have the ability to, Work out issues, especially early on, because no, no, it, it's tough for a startup franchise to even sustain uh, this type of case, um, you know, and capitalize it, and also try to operate a small, you know, small franchise. So, um, and grow. So, I, I think you know, franchisors are better off focusing on growth, innovation, assistance, support, and and growing their brand, and and really. Not getting bogged down by 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 disputes and litigation. Okay, oh, so I then definitely agree with that. I, Go ahead. In the item three on the FDD, tying it back to what we learned earlier, would that be listed as one litigation, or would it be listed as a bunch of litigations? Because all the franchise, in other words, would there be one litigation listed for each franchisee, or would it just be one litigation including all of them? It's one case, but I would still list all of the, you know, all of the franchisees by name, the, the case style, if you will. 
uh, and with a description, uh, if I were the franchisor, um, of what the allegations were on the franchisee side and also, you know, slanted a little bit towards the franchisor in what they're counterclaiming uh, to make it seem to the public like, you know, the franchisees are bringing a frivolous lawsuit and the franchisor is in the right, uh, you know, so you'll see that in, you'll see that in item three. Uh, but in this particular case, I represent the franchisees um, and, uh, you know, think we're on the right side here, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, the item three would probably tell a completely different story. Go for it, Ray. I just wanted to tie so, that back into what we learned earlier. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, you're you're a potential buyer of a franchise, and you've done all your due diligence, and things are just going uh, smoothly, but then you're just not getting the support. Your expect, expectations are not there, you know, uh, from the franchisor. And at what point do you, you know, throw up your hands and 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 say? Uh, I, I need to contact an attorney. And I, I can tell you over the, you know, just recent memory over the last three years, for example, uh, we've represented people uh, that have been franchisees for, you know, five, ten years and, and, and realize after that point they're, you know, just not making money, they're pumping money into their brand, their brand's not growing. Um, that's a little bit more of a difficult situation because there's a lot of history but recently, a lot of our clients are coming to us almost right after, it seems, they pay the franchise fee, realizing what they've paid for is not necessarily what they're going to get. And they're concerned about pumping in more money to the brand to, um, you know, uh, that it's going to mm -hmm. be a loser. So, uh, right. you know, for example, I, I represent um, uh, a uh, franchisee's that have only just paid their their multi-pack franchise, you know, three-pack or whatever, for three units, and they've already invested in one unit. They've they've um, you know signed a lease, but they've at, after you sign, you kind of get access to the the president, you know, the president's calls, and the the mm -hmm. you get access to the other franchisees and kind of get get a real idea of what's going on, you know, which you don't really get unless you do a lot of due diligence before, okay? And mm -hmm. there is a big issue in the system with uh, the point-of-sale system. So, um, you know, there it's almost as if the franchisor is saying, we don't have something tangible right now. Sorry, existing franchisees, but it might take us six months to a year to fix. And so, if you just spent over a hundred grand to buy a three units or four units or five units or whatever of a, of a concept, and and they're, you need to wait a year, you know, to to get a functional POS. Um, that's obviously concerning, and and so we're we're about to address that that situation. Um, you know, and not to not to bore you, but you know, another situation is I reviewed a I reviewed a franchise agreement for a uh, a vacation rental concept, uh, and advised our client. You know, what was my concerns, and you know, he decided to proceed, and and you know, now it's a month later, or, or sorry, six months later, and things that I talked to him about are kind of coming to fruition, and now he's looking to uh, you know 
figure out his options. Unfortunately, after you sign the franchise agreement, unless there's fraud or some violation of the franchise rules, it is quite difficult to rescind an agreement uh, unless there's a particular state law that might apply. But once you've signed the franchise agreement, you know, and the franchisor has the money, it's it's tough. You're screwed. Oh, that 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 kind of brings to mind, though. Uh, uh, do franchise agreements have buyer's remorse clauses, or could they have buyer's remorse clauses? I would say more than a hundred percent of franchise agreements say that <laughs> that the money once paid is non-refundable. Um, so yeah. um, you know, there are a few FDDs that I've seen out there that you know say that you know if you if you don't end up opening, you might get a percentage back, whether it's half or whether it's you know a quarter of the money you've paid, um, and those are actually somewhat beneficial because at least they g- it gives you somewhat of an out. Uh, but most of the concepts out there these days are are putting non-refundable clauses. So, you know, unless there's a blatant violation of the of the disclosure rules or um, you know some other fraudulent misrepresentation that scares a franchisor into saying, hey, maybe we didn't do something right here. Let's let's maybe give let's let's agree to a mutual termination agreement. And we'll just move on, keep some of the money, not all of it. This guy's going to be a problem for our system anyway. Uh, we don't want to disclose an item three litigation. Let's let's agree to give some money back and move on. And and that's that's kind of the goal as a franchisee lawyer. Or, or, or when I put on that hat, that's my goal is to try to scare the franchisor a little bit into saying, hey, you've done something wrong here. My guy wants out. What can we do? Yeah, yeah. Are, are there any cases where the uh, everything uh, it's an existing franchise or he's he's uh, maybe got I don't know fifty a hundred franchises out there, uh, but all of a sudden something happens. Maybe the owner passes away or something like that, uh, where things just immediately go downhill. So mm-hmm. is is that? That would probably be grounds for gathering other owners of the same franchise and saying, "Hey, look, we've got to do something." Is would that be yeah, the case I, then? I mean, most franchise agreements kind of call for what happens on uh, at the death of an owner. Um, you know, it's kind of I would say in bigger systems, more common in startup systems. It's you know might might come up here and there, but um, you know, generally speaking, the franchisor has the right to step in and and manage, um, and, and they usually give a time period for the estate to, you know, pass it along to uh, a new operator that the franchisor must approve. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, franchisees are not just a single individual. Usually they're like an LLC or, or you know, multi-member or husband-wife. And so if one of the person, if one person dies and someone else takes over, uh, it's, you know, that's usually not an issue for the franchisor as long as the person who's really going to be responsible is approved and does training and, um, you know, so on and so forth. Have, have you ever had a, a, a case where a franchise uh, franchisor was sold and things began to go downhill uh, from there? 
yeah, um, you know, there's a uh, publicly uh, available information. Um, you know, for example, like uh, Tim Hortons is a is a example of a company that got sold to uh, RBI, and um, I think when that happened, uh, again, this is uh, all public. Uh, when that happened, there was a big issue with the Canadian Franchise Association um, with issues related to culture um, and a change in a shift in culture to the benefit of the franchisor and to the detriment of the franchisees. Um, that's a big, a big issue, a big case, uh, and, a, and a pretty good example, though, of what happens when you know, the the head of a franchise company, uh, like the whole executive team gets switched out with a whole new group with a different mindset. All of a sudden, franchisees aren't treated the same. Uh, they they might generally, in, in, in Tim Horton's case, they band it together uh, through an association, and uh, there is pending lawsuits both in Canada and in the U.S., um, you know, on behalf of those associations. Um but uh, yeah, that that is certainly an issue, um, and this is that's just one example uh, that I happen to be involved with um, on the franchisee side. I, I just want to make a point, though, in case any of my fellow Mollymade owners are listening. I'm I'm not making a case because I think that we were recently uh, purchased by the Dwyer Group, or recently several years ago, and I, I think. Uh, Things have gone along quite smoothly, so I'm not making a case <laughs> at all. Or, or putting, I don't want anybody to start getting, you know, start, yes, call uh, wondering. Right. What. right. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think Dwyer has done an uh, excellent job in, in, in smoothing the transition over. Uh, uh, if anybody disagrees with that, then I, I would certainly like to hear from them, but I don't, I don't think anybody has because. Uh, They've really done an excellent job of integrating us in, into the Dwyer Group, which is now called Neighborly. Yep. And and I, I I don't know about you guys, but I, I see a lot of shifting from, you know, once once a once a franchise system kind of gets to a certain point, uh, you know, maybe twenty five, fifty, maybe a hundred units. Uh, there's a huge appetite and market for those systems for a lot of these kind of uh, finance groups and, and, and hedge fund type, uh, you know, groups that are, you know, trying to build their franchise portfolio. And so we're running into concepts that I'm like, I think I've seen this FDD before. It looks very similar to another concept that, you know, might be totally different, but is owned by the same group. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of that now with, mm -hmm. um, you know, one being like exponential brands owns a ton of brands um, that uh, you know they're they're they've got a central um, executive team and um, you know there's another brand out there called the uh, Serious Day Spa which uh, is is growing like a weed uh, but they're you know for example a startup brand but their item two shows substantial history of business experience because they also operate as that executive team other brands in different in different types of industries. So um, you know we're seeing a lot of that. 
and, and that's just uh, things that can happen. So if you own a franchise, it can be purchased, you know, by uh, a franchisor can be purchased by someone else, and things can change. So uh, our audience just needs to know that these things do happen. Yep. So Fred's note to self, if he starts a franchise, I don't know, maybe an M-word franchise, he needs to have people on the board that have experience in franchising. Hmm. Wonder where I can find some of those. Right? Never mind. Hmm. Never mind. Um, go ahead, Ray. Always got to stick to weird comments. So it's your it's turn, on. Fred. Oh, by the way, I think you need to uh, pay the bills. Listen to a commercial. Yeah, I pay agree the bills. With you. Let's pay the bills. Uh, reminder: you can call in at three two three five eight zero five seven five five. That's three two three. 580-575, or you can chat on the pillarsoffranchising.com um, website, and we'll ask those questions. On a new note, uh, if you're on Telegram, you can join our franchising channel, oh, and we have now been picked up by uh, the podcast directory Himalaya. Um, we are now on, and you can get the full list of uh, directories that were listed on pillarsoffranchising.com, but we are now listed um, on Himalaya. So with that, see, now we're on the mountains, right? Um, with that, we'll pay some more bills. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Thanks, Nick. Um, every time he says that 2,000 years of experience, I think, you know, he doesn't look that old. But that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that. Um, so, Adam, what is the I, – I, we kind of covered this in a couple of places, and but the franchisees you get that come to you that want to sue – um, what's their biggest, what's the, the number one sticking point that makes them want to sue? It's a good question. Um, I've heard a lot. Uh, you know, part of my, my job is, is part lawyer, part kind of psychiatrist in a way when it comes to franchisees because a lot of times they're coming to us at the end of their rope, uh, either financially, emotionally, um, and, and, you know they're looking for answers, and and we're, you know, need to be up upfront and and honest with them about what we can do and and what the potential outcomes are. Um, and one being the risk of it getting worse, right? You know, getting into litigation, potentially losing, and then all of a sudden a bad situation has has gone worse, and and it's a real risk because most franchise agreements are slanted very one-sided in in favor of franchisors and. I can speak to that because I also represent franchisors and, and draft FTDs that, that slant towards them. So, uh, but when, when a franchisee comes to me, you know, it's usually 
an issue where there, you know, there's a breakdown in communication with the franchisor, uh, and or there's, you know, uh, just a, a a dip in 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 revenues that isn't being addressed with the adequate support or marketing that you would expect, you know, a brand to provide. Um, and I've got clients who are pumping in money to their business just to keep it afloat, and that's just never a good situation. Um, but, um, yeah, when, when a franchisee is, is operating, um, it really comes down to, to, to numbers and whether or not they're making enough to, you know, to live on and, and what they expect. And if they're not, they start kind of poking around the corner and things usually get heated sometimes between the, the, the franchisee and franchisor. Words are said, and then it uh, kind of snowballs from there. In a lot of teams. Sorry, you said the M word. But yeah, you know, it's it's. I've heard the full gamut of of reasons, um, and sometimes I have to tell a franchisee, you know, that that their case is 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 no good, you know, and if, if there's no case, uh, you know, sometimes we'll send a. Hail Mary demand and hope that, you know, there's some room to negotiate and try to get them at least out of the ongoing obligations, which are, you know, if you terminate a franchise agreement on, on a franchisee, sometimes there's a built-in liquidated damages clause or there's, you know, the potential for a claim against the breaching franchisee for shutting down for lost future profits. So sometimes it's, it's if a franchisee comes to us and their case isn't so great, our goal is to just kind of wrap a bow on the, on the situation, make whatever claims that we can, and try to get out from, you know, a bad situation and just, uh, you know, avoid future problems. Ray? How much, how much leeway, uh, if you're signing a contract and you, and you go to your attorney to buy a franchise, and your attorney says, wow, these are, you know, there are several articles in here are really, you know, it could really hurt you. How much leeway is there with, uh, with the franchisor to remove those uh, items from the contract? I mean, uh, do you see that happening or, or, is, that, or is it pretty, pretty uh, solid? Yeah, uh, we look to uh, the termination clauses. Because we've been involved in so much litigation, and I have personally, um, I always look to see what is the basis of termination. Um, and I think there's a good, there, there is some wiggle room there to clarify and kind of reduce the, reduce the reasons or, uh, for automatic termination to give the franchisee an ability to cure any sort of issue, right? So there, there's two, usually two bases for termination. One is automatic. And, and, and those are things like, you know, if you abandon your business, uh, if, you, if you or your entity are, file bankruptcy, you know, or, or are dissolved. Uh, those are the big ticket items that, that would give a franchisor the right to terminate. But then there's also kind of this clause in most franchise agreements that say, if you make a material misrepresentation to us, uh, we can terminate you automatically without question. And I've been on the other side of that sort of 
situation where a franchisor just said to our, our clients, um, we're going to terminate you based on this provision, but not tell you what material misrepresentation it was, you know? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. okay. So, so in, 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 so now when I'm looking at the, that clause, I'm saying to my clients that are prospective franchisees, Hey, let's kind of give you some, give them less reasons to get rid of you and more, you know, let's at least give you an opportunity to respond and to cure whatever issues there are. So I, I've been seeing a lot of wiggle room there, uh, but you know, yeah. overall, uh, franchisors aren't so keen to negotiate away clauses that uh, will benefit them. Okay. So, ha- ha- have you ever seen a franchisor get a little greedy? I'm, I'm just curious. You know, just came to mind. Uh, get a little greedy and say, "Hey, I, I want." I'm I'm just going to claim that this guy's uh, not fulfilling his contract because I want his franchise. Have you ever heard that, heard of that happening? I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, I, I've definitely heard of that, and I've been involved in oh, wow. in litigation involving that exact issue. Um, and uh, it's currently pending, so I can't really <laughs> go into too uh, much detail. No. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but 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 absolutely, and it sometimes happens with area representatives or area developers, right? Uh, you know, these are folks that are spending two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars for a territory, with very difficult development schedules, and um, sometimes they're, the franchisor doesn't even realize how difficult it would be for someone to develop, you know, a territory in the in the speed and efficiency that they want, and so they use that as kind of a a hammer to to kick the, the developer out or buy him out for pennies on the dollar when, you know, for developers have viable businesses. They're operating as kind of a sub-franchisor in certain territories, collecting a percentage of the royalties, and then all of a sudden they get hit with a, you know, with a, a demand or a termination notice, and all of a sudden the franchisor is, is getting 100% of the royalties. So there's a real incentive for franchisors to to do that to, to do that financially mm-hmm. but most most good franchisors will pay consideration uh and and value to uh you know to a developer to get them out if if, if things are going south because those businesses actually right. have you know they're, they're valuable mm-hmm. so uh i i think we need to do I'm going to ask you uh, a question, but first, before we get to that point, if someone needs to get a hold of you for whatever reason, what would be the best way of doing that? Sure. Uh, so I'm on Twitter. Uh, that's uh, a good way, uh, at Adam G. Wash, W-A-S-C-H-S-E-S-Q. Uh, but uh, I'm always available on my direct line, uh, 561-693-3234, or by email, Um a wash at washrains.com. You can also get to me through our website, uh, washrains.com, W A S C H R A I N E S dot com. So uh, I'm, uh, you know, 24 uh, 7. I talk to a lot of my clients via text at all hours of the day, night. Uh, I think it's uh, one thing that I have over a lot of lawyers that, uh, you know, have gatekeepers and keep, uh, you know, keep their clients at bay and 
my wife would probably prefer the the latter, but <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think in, in in this day and age, you know, if you're not getting back to a client within an hour or two because they know that you've gotten their text, uh, you know, it's it's kind of that's what's expected. So uh, I'm uh, uh, constantly uh, responding to emails and and and, and texts and whatnot, but uh, I think it gives. Yeah, tweets, right. Tweets, too. Yeah, direct message. Uh, yeah. I, I can say that, uh, you know, that's probably how you you learned of me. Was So go Twitter. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you got the answer. So, all right. Here, here, here's, the, here's my final question. What's the best okay. way to stay out of litigation so we don't have to call you? Right. Uh, well, you can call me for a number of reasons, uh, not only litigation. I also convert businesses into franchise systems and, do the fun stuff, the build-up stuff, right? I, I, I like that mm-hmm. stuff. It's right, kind of right, a right. Startup, startup mentality. It's, it's you know, let's grow something together, and I like being a partner with my clients on on the happy stuff. Uh, the not-so-happy stuff is the litigation, um, and, and from a franchisor perspective, uh, I think I've said it, but I, I counsel them to treat your franchisees like family because at the end of the day, you are responsible for their livelihood to the best, you know, to the best that you can, right? You can't, you want to help them help themselves. Sometimes it's impossible. Uh, From a franchisee perspective, you just need to know what you're getting into. And, you know, if you're someone who likes to follow rules and maybe live in a condo, you're used to kind of following the the HOA docs uh, and and you're you're, you're a good person for the system, um, that's what you really need to be. you know, the entre- entrepreneurial mind and the franchisee mind don't always mesh. Uh, when a franchisee yep. starts to think they can do it better than a franchisor, uh, that's kind of when problems might arise with the, you know, with the, with that relationship. So just from a franchisee perspective, know what you're getting into, have someone review the docs with you that knows what they're doing. And, uh, you know, that will generally give you enough ammo to be able to thrive in a franchise. Excellent. Okay, so now we get to the last question. Are you ready for this? So, okay. here's the last question. Um, I watched way too much Perry Mason when I grew up as a kid. (laughs) For a while, I wanted to be a lawyer until I actually talked to a lawyer, and he told me 95% of it was paperwork, and only 5% was was being in the courtroom. And I I went like, crap, why would I want to do more paperwork? So, I went into, um, well, the M word. So my question to you is, what TV lawyer shows did you watch when you were growing up? Um, shows, I mean, I was kind of a law and order addict. Um, I'd stay up and watch in college, watch law, watching law and order till like three in the morning because it was always on uh, before kind of the DVR, uh, you know, craze went on. So I'd, I'd, I'd be up with my buddy watching Law and Order at three in the morning in Gainesville, Florida, uh, at UF, uh, in undergrad. Uh, but uh, I'm also a movie buff, so you know I think I get my My Cousin Vinny fix every month. Nice. I watch it probably. I probably watch it a hundred <laughs> times. Um, but uh, I do like all movies that kind of center around the, you know, the 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 ultimate trial that uh, will result in some drama. But you're right. The reality of the legal profession is uh, not like the movies, um, and uh, a lot of it is paperwork, but 
here and there we get our kicks in in court and you know win is always always feels good for us and for our clients i i understand that um but yeah too much paperwork thank you adam um we have, when you get down with some of your cases we want you to come back on and, and dish the dirt with for us and we'll, we'll have a good yeah. time come up with more weird questions for you <laughs> uh, happy to do that <laughs> all right thank you adam thanks sir thank you okay that was highly enlightening wasn't it ray i think so yeah so a couple of things before we bring our next guest on um, if you're interested in buying a franchise, you can get a free copy of the Franchise MBA by completing the form on the Pillars of Franchising website. Um, and it's uh, uh, Franchise MBA is the best or highest rated uh, book on franchising on Amazon. And you get your own free copy by filling out the form on our website. Also, uh, our uh, one of our other sponsors, BlastPoint.co. Uh, BlastPoint's a very cool company, which gives big data understanding for people and places. They have their March uh, webinar on how the franchise industry is responding to changing demographics on March 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you'll learn about the impact of aging baby boomers, the emergence of uh, millennial spending power and the expanding impact of dual income families. So if you go to blastpoint.co, you'll be able to uh, fill out the form and join the webinar. So A, you can learn about changing demographics and B, you can get a free copy of the Franchise NBA. Pretty cool stuff. So who's our next guest, Ray? Our next guest is Michael Ciccarelli. And uh, Michael is a franchise executive. Uh, he's been helping people uh, get their, meet their goals and seeking a franchise. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you, Ray and Fred. It's great to be here. Well, great to have, to have you, sir. <laughs> so where are you? Where is here? So, Ray, um, I thought we were going to have dinner since you're relatively close to me. <laughs> I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, so I'm a little north of you um, in, in beautiful Atlanta, GA, and, and hopefully this cloud coverage that we have here has broken. You're in the sunshine part of the state uh, as we speak, I hope. It is partly cloudy. There's a little bit of sun poking its head out now and then, but uh, other than that, <laughs> it's cloudy. So when you, when you say a little bit of sun, Ray, is that a little bit of sun for Atlanta, or is that a little bit of sun for sh in Chicago terms? It is partly cloudy or partly sunny, okay. depending on whether your glass is half full or half empty. <laughs> So, Fred, there's just a – I can't help it. I'm going there. So there's just a ray of sunshine going on in Terry right now. Oh. <laughs> awesome. I couldn't awesome. help myself, yep. Ray. Sorry about that. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Perfect way to start the interview. Yep. So yep. Uh, uh. I, I, Go ahead, I have Fred. to say, 
I have to say, Ray didn't butcher your last name. Um, how is that possible? I, I think it's possible because I, I'm fairly good with ethnic names because uh, uh, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. In the past, there's a lot of lot lot of ethnic areas in 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 the Chicago area. So going to high school with a lot of uh, uh, different nationalities. It's uh, and and we all celebrated our national nationality uh, uh, to a high degree. So. It's very interesting. Yeah. I learned to swear in Italian before I learned to swear in Spanish or German. So, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there were definitely a few Italians in Chicago, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's a good thing. I didn't know yeah. what I was saying, but I knew when I said it, it really annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go there, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'll ask the first question. How do you help people achieve their goals through franchise ownership? That's a great question. So, um, you know, it really is all about, uh, you know, getting un- getting an understanding about them and what makes sense. You know, I'm often asked, you know, what's the best franchise out there? And, and my answer is always, it depends, you know, um, what what's you know learning a little bit about their background their experiences and and uh you know just just to add on what you said earlier besides helping uh you know match people up with good businesses i think it's important to really understand the due diligence process i think this is a great segue you know from uh, adam's uh, part of the show um, you know, especially since I've had the opportunity to help develop and launch franchise brands. So, um, humbly speaking, I've had a chance to really um, experiencing all, you know, experience all different aspects of franchising over over my 28 years. Not to not to date myself here, but um, you know, long story short, it really comes down to getting to know what the goals are of the person that I'm working with. What are they trying to accomplish? You know, what is it that they're looking to do? What is the reason for, you know, wanting to go into business? Do they already own a business and they're looking to diversify their portfolio? Are they relatively, you know, new at being an entrepreneur and and they're wanting to understand the benefits of how you could leverage a franchise system you know, you know, where are they at financially, right? It's not always about, uh, you know, um, what's just a good fit. It has to make sense. They have to be able to afford it. I think as Adam mentioned, you know, you have a lot of people that go into this uh, franchising world and, um, you know, that if, if they're undercapitalized or if they really don't know what they're getting into, you know, that could be a problem. So I'll I'll ask one other quick question, um, uh, and then let Ray ask a couple of questions. How much capital should somebody have if they want to buy a franchise? You, you know, that's it's, a loaded it's, question, it's, Fred. I know. Yeah, that, I learned. But I'll do my best to answer it. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. Besides the money, a credit, a nice credit score is um, always important. Um, you know, it, it, you know, basically, 
Um, most lenders, whether you're going through a uh, uh, you know conventional bank loan, the SBA, there's a lot of different funding options to not get us in the weeds. Um, but that's you know one of the resources that you can leverage or lenders. But um, honestly, you know franchises that investment range is pretty broad. So um, uh, you know it could be anywhere. You know there's franchises out there that may you know have a, uh, a fifty thousand dollar liquidity requirement, and and there's some that you know uh, on the grander scale, more your legacy type franchise brands that may require a million dollar liquid liquidity um, requirement. You know, so typically when you're looking at a franchise, you know, liquidity and your net worth comes into play. And that goes back to, you know, what makes sense, you know, for, for an individual that may be looking for a business. You know, we're, we, you, you certainly don't want to talk about a Hilton hotel um, if, it, if it just isn't practical or makes any financial sense for that candidate. So you try to be realistic. And the beauty of franchising is there is a broad spectrum of opportunities out there. You know, you don't necessarily have to have a million dollars in the bank. Um, it's, there's a lot more to franchising, and, and you may have even spoken about this on one of the other shows, um, beyond, you know, uh, some of your food franchises, your, your McDonald's and, and um, Taco Bells of the world. There's a lot out there. There's a lot of good, you know, service, home-based, type of franchise brands that have very reasonable uh, liquidity and net worth requirements. And um, what I'm hoping to share today is really getting into, you know, when it, if you do find a franchise brand and you're, you know, leveraging a franchise consultant to, to be able to explore and get educated and exposed to some of these opportunities, you know, uh, the beauty of all of this is that the due diligence process is a very transparent process and you have an opportunity to really understand, you know, what these franchises offer um, in terms of, of support, their track record, the training, and, and, um, and obviously validating that it's a good model on its own. But uh, that would be a long-winded answer to say there is a lot out there. I mean, as, as we all know, franchising permeates just about every industry, um, and, and, and there's just a wide range of investment opportunities. I think you, you, you mentioned something, Michael, that uh, maybe some people don't consider, and that's loan potential. So uh, if you are looking at, at uh, you know, how, how much, uh, maybe not necessarily liquid funds, but uh, in case something does happen, uh, if you have a good credit rating, uh, you could conceivably, uh, uh, you know, take out a business loan that gets you past a certain point. That's, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, just just a, a very quick top line on that point um, is that uh, you know, it, typically, uh, as um, Adam was mentioning earlier, you know, you have an opportunity to look at the investment ranges and cost, and and you would like to think that a franchisor is going to include, you know, working capital, right? You want to understand, you know, every business, as we know, has a startup or a launch phase, and, and you have to be able to 
be capitalized to get through that because while you're going through that, you know, you still have bills to pay, especially if you're transitioning out of a corporate job. So if you don't have the working capital or you don't have a certain amount of equity that you're going to invest into the business, then you absolutely want to be able to factor that in when it comes to your funding um, and understand not only through the franchisors, um, but through your due diligence with franchisees on what type of working capital you need to, to, to launch that brand the right way. And if you have a good understanding, you know, I like to help candidates in making sure that they understand what their monthly budget is. You know, I work with a lot of folks that are that have either been downsized or they're C-level folks that are in transition and they're looking to replace a respectable salary. Um, and, and uh, you know, and they're also at the same time, while there is an income coming in, they're looking to make a substantial investment. So you have to think this through as you prepare and go down um, to fund your business. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, one of the things we talked a little bit uh, uh, to uh, with with Adam about uh, was uh, looking at when, at what point, when do we have an attorney look at uh, the uh, FTD? Uh, but can you give us some uh, rules of thumb? Basically, you know, uh, at what point? In other words, like when I st- was looking for my franchise, I had a checklist of different items, uh, you know, the yes column, the no column, and, you know, I list the various franchises and, and, you know, uh, what would be on your checklist if you were looking at, say, you know, five, ten different franchises, what would you say yay or nay to uh, uh, of the various franchises you may be looking at? Yeah, sure. So, um you know, uh, when I look at, at um, sizing up a, a, uh, a franchise brand, it really comes down to personal goals. So when I'm working with somebody, it's in the context of, you know, what are the three to five, and there may be more than five, what are the three to five most important attributes that you're looking for with your business, you know, when it comes to that? So, um, you know, you want to know those. And, and as you're, if you're, you know, I, I would also tell you that uh, I don't necessarily recommend, um, you know, talking to several franchisors at once because, uh, it, it, as you know, Ray, being a franchisee yourself, you know, these due diligence process, I'll digress just for a moment here, um, these due diligence processes can be pretty comprehensive because it truly should be. If they're a good franchisor, they're not looking to sell you a car. <laughs> so it should right. be a mutual right. evaluation. Right. I mean, it should be a mutual evaluation process. And a lot of people don't realize one of the benefits of looking at a franchise and avoiding to having to retain somebody like Adam, um, not meaning that in a negative way, but to make sure that you truly know what you're getting into, you know, that could be a, a, a four to six plus weeks uh, due diligence process. It's a mutual evaluation process. They need to be a good fit for that franchise brand. And conversely, you want to know that that franchisee is an ideal candidate or has some of the 
the, the necessary skill sets that their franchise community holds that, that can make them successful with that particular brand. And, um, you know, part of this due diligence process when you're investigating a franchise is, is um, you know, understanding what your goals are. So specifically, you know, the, the, almost everybody is going to be looking at return on investment, right? Everybody wants to understand the financial model, you know, other folks, examples of attributes that are important to somebody is going to be, you know, do they have strong training and support, ongoing support, you know, grand opening support? Do they have good systems and processes in place to set me up to be successful and to be able to help me continue uh, down a, a road of success? You know, is the business scalable? Do they support their franchisees in scaling? So long story short, you know, I recommend simply knowing what those main attributes are that you're looking for, that you're looking for um, in a business. And as you go through and talk, you know, I would recommend, you know, a couple of franchisors maybe if you have the time because it will give you an opportunity to take those five attributes, you know, take the five-plus attributes that are important to you and compare them. You know, how does that franchisor line up to those things that are important to you or that's going to be important to you as a franchisee? That's, that, that's the first thing. Number two is that as you get that information from the franchisor, you're going to want to validate that through talking to the franchisees themselves. So one of the beauty um, uh, to me about looking at franchise businesses is that it relatively is a transparent, open book due diligence process. You truly have the opportunity to leverage resources and um, get educated by talking to the franchisees that are in the system, uh, as well as reviewing the FDD uh, to be able to make an informed business decision. Um, so uh, basically, understand what your goals are, what are the things that are important to you. You know, if you want to understand what the, the – uh, the marketing systems look like to be able to acquire clients, you know, you have that opportunity to do that by understanding how the franchisor is going to help you as well as by talking to franchisees. So we've, we've willed the process down to make Go ahead, Rick. We've, <laughs> we've whittled the process down to maybe – Two franchisors, okay. So, and and they've, you, you've done some some due diligence, uh, possibly some deep due, due diligence, and you're up in the air. What would be some good questions to ask both of them to help you make a decision between the two? Well, I would honestly say, you know, which one of them. Uh, line up best with your goals and attributes. I mean, that really is my island. I take everything back to that. So, um, you know, uh, without getting in the weeds in our show today, you know, I would certainly be able to share what, what's known as the Pew Matrix, you know, P-U-G-H uh, Matrix. And that essentially, um, you know, helps somebody, you know, rank their top 
you know, uh, goals or attributes that they're looking for in a brand. And, and, and as I just said, um, you know, when they're, when they're going through the process, they can give those attributes weighted scores to get a feel for um, when they're talking to these different brands, which one of those line up best, you know. Uh, um, and that, of course, is not necessarily the end-all, say-all. That is just a tool that we help, that I help people understand to be able to help them make a big, uh, an informed business decision. The other part of that is, is you know, let's face it, there's going to be some gut feel with this, right? As you're talking of the franchisor and franchisee, you know, do you like them? Are, are you like-minded people? Do you feel that if you invest into this system and you execute those things, you know, that you're that, that they're advocating and that franchisees have, have executed well, um, you know, do you feel like you're going to get those same results? Do you feel like, that, that, you know, when you look at a franchise organization, you know, let's face it, the majority of these franchises have somewhat of a bell curve in their system. So when a franchisee is doing the validation process, validation being defined as, you know, uh, not only engaging the franchisor, but actually talking and spending time with franchisees, especially if you happen to be looking at a brand that has franchisees already in your area. You know, when I look at a bell curve um, and you've got your top 20, your middle 60, and your bottom 20, you know, you're going to want to have conversations with, with franchisees that are um, in, in each of those quadrants of that bell curve. And, and as, you're, as, as you're talking to them, um, which is another point, you know, if, if you want to be able to have questions, you know, based on where those people are at on that bell curve, to kind of get a feel of, you know, how does that line up with you as an individual? So um, I would say that, that besides tying things back to your goals, and the attributes that are important to you and making notes of that and feeling that as you're going through this process, you're going to want to validate that with the franchisees and, and factor in, you know, their company culture. Uh, some of the things that Adam mentioned earlier that are critical to you making an informed decision and the simple fact of, of you know, uh, understanding if you could get along with these people, because let's face it, it's like getting married. Right? I mean, it's, you're looking to have a long-term yeah, – it really is. I mean, you're looking to have a long-term sustainable relationship with these people. Mm -hmm. and, so, and I think yeah. one of the things you mentioned is, is the gut feeling that uh, that you get when you talk to the uh, uh, potential franchise or that you're, you're planning on investing in. I think that's that's, that's something good. And, and bringing the fact out, it's, it's like a marriage. And uh, – <laughs> Except maybe even worse, or if you want to call it worse, <laughs> but <laughs> at least that's important. Go ahead, Fred. Uh, just cracking up. I do want to uh, remind our uh, listeners that they can call in at 323-580-5755 to ask questions. Or uh, the people at the website listening, and one of them I know is Charles, uh, you can chat with us and, and ask questions. Uh, we can track returning visitors to the site. So go ahead, right? Just want to get that one in there. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, well, maybe it's at a point where we need to, uh, if people want to get a hold of Michael, what was to be, uh, what would be the best way to do that? 
Sure. Um, well, first of all, uh, you can you can reach me at my website, uh, which is focusedfranresults.com. Um, it, and of course, you can also call me. I, I follow the same path as Adam. You know, I'm always available, and uh, uh, you can reach me at six seven eight six four one six four seven three. And I would be happy to uh, schedule time uh, to you know help anybody that may be interested or want to learn more. Excellent. Uh, I'm uh, looking on uh, LinkedIn here, and I see a word that I've never heard before. Maybe you can help us with that, and that's uh, frantipreneur. Yeah, I know. Yeah, frantipreneur. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, a frantipreneur is somebody that wants to, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are, 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 are usually um, – you know, folks that, uh, you know, like to create and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that at all because you can still create being in a franchise system. I would have to say a franchipreneur is somebody that likes to leverage the franchise model, you know, something that's already been proven or should be proven uh, uh, and um, that, that, you know, the, the old uh, saying of, of, of going into business for yourself but not by yourself. And if you're able to leverage a franchise system, you know, to help you achieve those goals and, and, and that particular franchise has those attributes that you're looking for, looking for in a business model, you know, and, and you do that well, you know, you're a franchipreneur. Absolutely. Hey, Fred, we got to put this in our lexicon, okay? Yeah. So uh, I think what we need from Mike is a blog post on, on that topic that we can put up on TillersOfFranchising.com. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you're willing, Mike. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as we started off this, our, our segment here, I, I love talking to people about, you know, uh, what what's the typical investigation due diligence process look like when you're investigating a franchisee? You'd be amazed at how many people don't realize that there is a lot more to it, um, and it's and it's truly not um, you know like buying an automobile. But but there's there's a lot of steps there. There's a lot of resources that can be leveraged, uh, and if you if you're doing it the right way. Um, you know, there, there could be some good learnings that come from that to help you make an informed business decision. So in that vein, I'll ask you the question I asked Adam. Obviously, everyone says you have to um, read all the FDD, but as, as Ray pointed out, if you're looking at 20 different franchise FDDs, you, you, you don't want to... You scramble your brain. <laughs> yeah, and... I remember the 300-plus page one that I read, I think, last year of a 13,000-location franchisor. I read through that thing three times, and it was, well, let's put it this way, it cured my insomnia. Um, what what would be the top three, four, if you want, five items that you would go through first? Because obviously, you know, with Adam saying how many open closes – to me, that was a really good metric. Somebody opens 30 franchises in the past three years and they close 15 of them. That tells me they, they 
really not sure what they're doing and and I'm going to go for greener pastures. So what would be your top three to four or five uh, items? I always like to – sure, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. So um, I I always like to start with the franchise agreement. To your point, that is a lot of information, And, and more or less, that FDD is basically that franchise agreement, you know, drawn out and, and explained in plain English without all the legalese speak, uh, so you know what you're getting into. So I like to start with the actual franchise agreement, which, by the way, uh, you know, an FDD uh, contains um, or should contain. <laughs> you know, I definitely. Um, think you ought to consult with a franchise attorney, not just any attorney, but a franchise attorney is critical. You know, that's one of the steps that uh, we talk about um, when it comes to doing your due diligence and when you're investigating a business. But starting with the franchise agreement is always a good place because that's what you're actually going to be signing, having an attorney review that franchise agreement, of course. And then, um, you know, in, in light of what Adam was sharing, looking at item three, you know, which is litigation, you know, it's never good that if there is a lot of litigation there, you certainly want to understand why. And then um, some of the other items are, are items five, six, and seven. Uh, you know, that those, those items there usually involve, you know, the royalties and the fees, you know, that you're expected to pay the franchisor. And along with that, what are you getting for paying those royalty fees um, that, that you're, uh, you know, what, what type of support and value are you getting for that? So items five, six, you know, three, five, six, and seven are, are very important items to look at. Item seven, of course, gives you a breakdown of your investment. And, and I think Adam said it well. If you've got this broad range from 200 to 800,000, you know, that may warrant you drilling down to truly understand, you know, the cost. So, um, you, you know, I mean, I know of franchisors that, you know, uh, unfortunately, um, downplayed the actual cost or they didn't really have a good handle of what the investment would cost. And, and that could be a problem, you know, for the obvious reasons. And then of course, you know, item 19 and 20 are big, you know, item 19 and 20 are big item 19, not all franchisors necessarily have an item 19. If they do, they could be in different formats. So whatever is in that section which quite frankly, to be clear, item 19, you know, deals with earnings claims, you know, which is what, you know, the primary thing that most candidates want to know about um, sometimes up front, even before they get to anything else, uh, you know, you, you want to really take the time to understand because there's a, that, that's why it's important to consult with somebody or with the franchise consultant that, that can help you understand what to look for in those particular items. So when I'm working with somebody on an item 19, you know, um, they've got to do their own due diligence by conversing with franchisees, but then you have to understand what you're reading. You know, how long have these, you know, widgets been open, um, you know, and, and do they have them divided into quartiles, um, you know, so on and so forth. 
And then, of course, you know, uh, without beating the dead horse, Adam mentioned item 20. You know, you get a feel for that franchisor's growth over the last, um, you know, three years. But if, if I would tell you, I would go back to my original starting place. You know, when you get these big documents, I think it's always good to, uh, you know, get a good understanding of the franchise agreement, and that's typically a good starting point. Okay. Absolutely. Ray? Fred? Oh, I was going to just I give a shout-out to – I was just going to give another shout-out to another one of our listeners that I know is listening is Carolyn. Hey, Carolyn. Looking forward to talking to you soon. Send a message to the chat or um, send a question. Go ahead, Ray. So, uh, Michael, uh, what resources are available to the potential fran- uh, owner of a franchise's well, uh, you know, needless to say, these days with the Internet, there's a lot online and there's a lot of good educational websites. You know, one that, um, you know, the International Franchise Association, the IFA has for people uh, to refer to. But, of, of course, um, you know, uh, a, a seasoned and experienced and certified franchise consultant is always a good resource for you. And then, um, you know, of course, it starts with funding and money. So there's certainly some um, very reputable uh, franchise lending companies out there, uh, whether, you know, just to, you know, name a couple, Guidance Financial, Benetrends, you know, those, Fran Fund, um, those have been around quite a bit. Um, you know, the SBA is also a good resource uh, to, to, to check out when it comes to, to lending and understand what the expectations are uh, when it comes to being able to get an SBA-backed loan. Uh, so there's a, you know, when it comes to funding, you've got franchise consultants, you've got um, funding and lenders um, that you can leverage as a resource to understand, you know, what makes sense for you financially. And, uh, you know, in franchise attorneys, I mean, let's face it, you know, um, you, you, there's franchise attorneys that, you know, prior franchisor, you want a good <laughs> franchise attorney to, you know, review yep. that yep. SBD with you, right? It's not a franchise attorney to help you go through that franchise agreement that you just read so you know what you're signing and what are some, you know, if there are red flags, you know, what, what would those look like? Just understanding, getting the legal perspective. Um, some people have a good CPA that may have an understanding of how small businesses or franchise businesses work. They can certainly leverage an accountant. Um, so those are just to name a few. Yep. Excellent. Excellent advice. So, Brett? Ray, I think we're coming to that last question of yours, and I'm not going to ask the I, since there's no good franchise consultant movies out there, although, um, oh, there is one that I really do love, but I can't remember the name with Alec Baldwin in it. Um, I want to say Victor Victoria, but uh, 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 Glenn Gary something, or that's a great franchise. That's not a franchise consultant, but it's a good consultant movie. So I won't ask that question. So what's the last question you need to ask, right? Um, I would imagine. I think we already talked about um, how to get a hold of Michael. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, but I figured we'd give him another shot. 
Um, so I'll do this differently on how to get a hold of me because I know Focus Fran results may uh, that's a that's a mouthful. So um, my website, you can certainly reach out to me. Um, it's F O C U S E D F R A N R E S U L T S dot com. So, and of course, my number again is six seven eight six four one six four seven three. So, if you want to become a frantipreneur, you know who to call. Or if you have, yeah, I was going to say also, if you have a concept or a proven new business model and you're considering franchising that business, I would be happy to uh, give you some perspective on that as well. That could be a franchipreneur as well. That's right. That line's right up there. That's exactly it. That's where I was going. Cool. Fred? Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we want to thank Mike for being on and for our FTD blog post. Um, gonna rock. Uh, also want to mention next week is our first of 2019's Women in Franchising. And we've got a lineup of some awesome franchisors, franchisees, and franchise professionals. Um, and now I want to take us to Holly A. Ford's uh, segment for today. Hi, this is Holly Ford with Zarian Firm. Trending this week in franchising, multi-unit ownership. Franchising has often become a more stable option for companies and individuals who are trying to protect and grow their wealth. This has led to a greater sophistication in the multi-unit arena, where it's not uncommon for a multi-unit franchisee to be a bigger and more experienced company than the franchisor they are investing in. For a multi-unit franchisee, there is an area developer agreement which specifies the number of units that the multi-unit franchisee will open, in what time period, and in what specific territory. This territory is almost always protected. There is then also an individual franchise agreement between the franchisor and franchisee for each individual unit that is opened. Typically, there's a schedule or required time in which each individual unit must be opened under the umbrella of the area developer agreement. If that schedule is not adhered to by the franchisee, they can risk losing their rights to open any further locations under the agreement. A multi-unit franchisee can be purchased by an individual, but more often in recent years, that multi-unit franchisee is a corporation of its own. Many such corporations have multiple franchise brands in their portfolio and leverage a robust and often sophisticated back-end support system that is able to efficiently operate dozens and sometimes even hundreds of locations under one franchisor. Such corporations will typically only invest in well-established and proven franchise systems. While a multi-unit franchisee requires a higher investment level, the benefits are numerous. These companies have much more stability and a higher expected rate of success as they don't play all their cards on a single location. There is also significant benefits stemming from the efficiencies of having that one back-end operational support for the multiple locations. 
Additionally, franchisors will often offer reduced fees and royalty breaks for multi-unit franchisees to entice them to invest at a higher dollar amount initially. For example, many franchisors will require that a multi-unit franchisee pay an initial portion of that franchise fee for each location specified in the agreement to be opened. This can be seen similar to a deposit, but really is a fee paid to keep those prospective locations off the market during the duration of the development period. For assistance in finding fantastic multi-unit opportunities to, quote, look for companies with high profit margins, unquote. Make no mistake, no matter how strong a business's growth, how unique the product is, or how much press that business receives, buyers are always looking at the bottom line. So what is it? Net margins are the percentage of revenue remaining after all operating expenses, interest, taxes, and preferred stock dividends, but not common stock dividends, have been deducted from a company's total revenue. Why does it matter? Net margin is one of the most closely followed numbers in finance. Shareholders often scrutinize net margin as this optic depicts how good a business is at converting revenue into profits available for shareholders. One of the most important concepts to understand is that net profit is not a measure of how much cash a company earned during a given period. The income statement includes non-cash expenses such as depreciation and amortization. Changes in net margin are endlessly scrutinized. In general, when a company's net margin is declining over time, a myriad of problems may have occurred ranging from decreasing sales to poor customer service to inadequate expense management. Net margin is often used to compare companies within the same industry. This process is known as margin analysis, and it can be extremely useful to compare net margins among a group of companies to see which of them are the most effective at converting sales into profits. Typically, a business has a good amount of fat that it pulls out of that net number. Using an array of legal write-offs, businesses are often quite efficient at protecting their profits. However, if you employ these strategies, it is paramount when preparing your business for resale that you transparently show the fat of the business. In other words, create a statement with your broker that recasts your numbers to include expenditures that are not directly married to the operational success of the business, and be sure to be able to validate those numbers. In addition to employing this simple strategy, Owners who are beginning their exit strategy planning should look closely at the numbers or decrease expenses. Zarian works with owners to optimize their business when we engage a business in exit strategy planning. In the analysis, we work with both sides of the equation. To increase revenue, we create strategies that incentivize upselling, add operationally efficient additional streams of revenue, and even package services to increase gross margins. To decrease expenses, we can limit discounting, cut subtle waste, renegotiate supplier contracts, and a plethora of other powerful strategies and tools customized for that specific business. For more information on understanding net margins when analyzing a business or exit strategy planning, connect with me at businesswealth at zarianfirm.com. Next week's two-minute topic, World Domination. How to Profitably Establish Multi-Unit Franchise Ownership. And finally today, our highlighted franchise of the week is Zoom Room. Zoom Room fills a unique niche for the pet industry. 
Zoom Room is dog training, exercising, socializing, even dog disco parties. This concept is energizing the extremely fat pet industry and is extremely easy to start. With low overhead, low employees, high margins, and a truly unique concept, Zoom Room is a fantastic franchise opportunity. Owners can start this franchise with less than $250,000. For information on how to acquire your own Zoom Room, connect with me at zarianfirm.com. If you have any questions about this topic or any of them, and we can cover it on a future episode. This is Holly Ford of Zarian Firm on Pillars of Franchising saying, see you next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Thanks, Holly. Um, great topic. And wow, Holly, our... Holly sounded great. She did. She really did. Yeah. Um, sounds like she got rid of the cold she had last week. Yeah. Um, and Holly will actually be our special guest co-host next week on the Women in Franchising show. Um, oh, she'll be good. woman. She'll be woman explaining to you and I what the, our guests are saying. So um, we won't sound stupid. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, that's easy for us guys to do is to sound stupid. So, amen. Um, we got some grand stuff from other places, and, and I hope everyone will give the feedback on um, the way we've started doing uh, guest pictures, which uh, including our nice logo, and uh, thanks to Michelle Rumpel of Westvine for making that happen. Uh, now i got to go back yeah. and retrofit everybody, but um, I, I think they're really kind of classy. Um far better than what we're doing and we'll make that going forward. Uh, we're hoping to start advertising the show on a couple of new channels. Uh, like I said earlier, we're now on Telegram. Um, so we keep expanding the audience and a reminder to folks that if you're interested in buying a franchise, you can complete the form on the website and receive a free copy of the Franchise MBA. Uh, highest rated a uh, book on franchising on Amazon by Nick Neonakis. Any final thoughts for our, our listeners, Ray? No, I, 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 well, except that I thought it was an excellent show. A lot of good ideas uh, uh, that were put out there. Uh, I, th- I think it's important for everyone to do their due diligence, and uh, that way you won't have to uh, uh, go the uh, litigation route. Amen to that. Um, I wouldn't mind, like I said, I I at one point thought about becoming a lawyer and then learned there's way too much paperwork. Um, I Really, I I always loved Perry Mason. Law and Order was good too, but I've been in uh, lawsuits before and I will tell you the best words, some of the best words you ever hear is, I find for the plaintiff, you have to pay him back everything he's ever paid you. Um, I heard those words and man, my heart just sang that day in court. So I don't like going to court um, unless somebody's paying yeah. you. So, all right. Uh, my yeah, friend, I he, try to avoid that. Any sane man does. So take care in the mobile broadcasting mm-hmm. studio one. And we got to get a hold of Mike Sobel and, and see about, you know, rewrapping the beast. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what we can do. Talk to you. Thanks. Great show. Bye, Alan. Thanks, Ray. Great show. Thanks, Ray.